Hear the word of the Lord, beginning in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I am known the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words, and many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who was oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At the time of the Feast of Dedication that took place in Jerusalem, it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is a passage that we're very familiar with. I'm going to be looking particularly at verses 27 through 30 that I read to the children as well about... Jesus calling his sheep and saving his sheep and his sheep hearing his voice. But let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you that you are a God who calls your people, calls your sheep, and we hear your voice. Lord, help us to be mindful of who you are and who we are. Help us to grow through this, that we might have greater assurance and comfort. We give you all the praise. In Christ's name, amen. We begin with an illustration. It's, it's just a story about three sisters who, after all of their life, they were, they were alone, and so they moved in together. One was 94, one was 92, and one was 90, living in a house together now after all these years. And um, they were having some problems. Uh, as, as you might expect. The 94-year-old was, was getting into bed um, 
one afternoon to take a nap, and as she was getting in, she got confused, and she said, Sister, I can't remember if I'm getting in bed or out of bed. Will you come and help me? And so the 92-year-old was downstairs at the couch, and, and she says, Oh, my, my poor sister. So she begins going to the steps, and she goes, begins up the steps, and she gets confused, and she says, Oh, sister, I can't remember where I'm going up the steps or down the steps. What am I doing? And so the 90-year-old sister is sitting at the, at the kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee, and she's just shaking her head listening to all this. And she says, I am so thankful that I am here to help my sisters, that I have not lost my mind. I'll be right there, sisters, as soon as I get see who's knocking on the door. All right, sometimes you hear an illustration, you just want to use it, okay? I'm actually going to tie it in, all right? <laughs> because I think that's where we are at times. I think as much as we know exactly what's going on, we get confused every step of the way. We don't know whether we're coming or going. We have lost certain things that God has provided for us, and we get confused. So the three things I want to look at today is, first of all, who we are, who Jesus is, and what has been provided for us. Those three things out of this passage, uh, beginning in verse 27. We see that Jesus says to them, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The first thing that we learn about ourselves here is that we're lost, or we were lost. At some point you were lost. You may still be lost. If you're here and you haven't come to faith in Christ, you're lost. Whether you recognize or realize it at all, you're lost. If you have been found, if you have been born again, if you're in Christ, you are a sheep now. You are his sheep. You heard his voice. You responded to his voice as he called out. And you came to the shepherd and you received eternal life. So you have two places that you might be this morning as you've come into this room right now. You're either still lost or you are a sheep. Okay. You've got to recognize that's your only two options. There's nothing in between here. So who's Jesus? In this picture that we have here, we have Jesus as the shepherd. What, what we read earlier from Ezekiel, we see God proclaiming that the, the shepherds at that time, all of Ezekiel before that, those preceding chapters talk about how bad the shepherds were. They're leading the people astray. They're allowing the wolves to come in and eat the sheep because they're feeding themselves. They're not concerned. But Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. In Ezekiel, we see, I feed them with good pasture on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land on rich pasture. They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So in Ezekiel, we see this foretelling of what's happening, that the Lord is going to be the shepherd of his people, and he's just not going to be their shepherd. He's going to provide for them abundantly. 
As you've seen all through the service, our, our call to worship was from Psalm 23, that, that we see the promise there that, that he's going to take us through the valley of shadow of death, and he's going to lead us to green pastures. He's going to take us to cool waters, those things that we need as we go through the trials and the tribulations of our life, which will be many. The shepherd will lead us. And he's a good shepherd. He's the shepherd that's willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Here's one of the things that I think we miss in these passages because we don't understand really the the context of what was going on in Israel in relation to sheep. We have a whole different perspective from where we are right now about how we take care of sheep. We think of sheep in these huge herds, and we think of border collies running around chasing the sheep around, keeping them together, and we think of a shepherd behind them herding them forward with these dogs helping along the way. For the people of Israel at this time, many of them only had a few sheep. They didn't have a herd. They had a few that they were their sheep. And so you see uh, passages in the Old Testament where a sheep was taken from someone. It was a lot bigger than, I have a thousand sheep and you took one and I'm really upset. I had three and you took one. I obviously know that. And that was a lot. And what would happen in the evenings in these, in these families was they, would not, they could not tend to their sheep all night long. And they weren't going to have them in the house with them. So the city would set up a fenced area in a field outside, and they would hire someone who would guard that pen. And the people of the city would take their sheep out into that area, and they would stay there for the night. So they had a babysitter for the night. And that became the hireling. And if you were the hireling and a wolf came, uh, those weren't your sheep. And you would do what you could, but the chances are you weren't willing to risk your life for the sheep. And so when Jesus says this passage about the hireling, he says the hireling's just going to flee. Verse 13, he flees because he's hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So in the morning when the people would come to get their sheep, they could call the name, they could call, and the sheep would actually hear their voice and would come. And so this illustration meant something to the people at that time. It meant that they actually could recognize a voice, much like my dogs recognize my voice. So when, when they're outside and they've run off and I call, they recognize my voice and they run harder the other way. They know who I am, and they know that I'm going to bring them back home. Until they get really scared, and they get really lost. Then when they hear the voice, they come running back. My daughter lost her dog a couple years ago, or was it a year ago? Bella, her little black dog, ran away. Didn't just run away, he ran away. And he was gone for several days. And every morning I would drive around trying to find the dog, and I would go out a little farther every day. I'd go another mile out and scour the area of my car. And after about five days, when all hope was lost, I drove into a new neighborhood five miles from our house, and I see this black dog. And I get out of my car, and I'd seen many black dogs in five days of doing this, and I'd gotten out of my car many times and called and just saw, oh, that's not Bella, but here comes the dog. I'm getting in my car, and I'm driving away quickly. 
this day that looks like Bella. And I called out Bella's name, and Bella saw me, and Bella ran to me. And when she got to me, she fell on her back, cowering and moaning and just whimpering. And she was so excited. Her tail was wagging. And I put her in the car, and she was just ecstatic. But she heard my voice, and she ran. She was in terror at that point, five days without being home. She had no idea if she'd ever find home. Obviously, she was going in the wrong direction. But Jesus says that the sheep hear the voice. And that's the illustration that we have from Israel, is this picture that when Jesus calls out, the sheep hear the voice. So in the morning when the owner came to that area, that big field that was fenced in and called, the sheep would recognize his voice and come out and go with him. Now, we, we picture sheep as being incredibly stupid, and they do lots of bad things, and I guess I've never been around sheep, so I really don't know. I'm only reading all this. Uh, I'm not a, a shepherd by any means of sheep. But they do recognize, and they're called to follow. Jesus is described in this passage alone as the gate and the door. He says, that's the way you get in is only through me. And you can come in and out of me, not being saved or not saved, but in and out to go to things, to, to experience things, to have things. And this way that you have is the only way. In verse 4 of chapter 10, we say, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and they follow him, for they know his voice. So going back to the first point, if you are one of Jesus' sheep, if you have been born again, if you're saved, if you're trusting in Christ alone for salvation, if those things can be said about you, that when you hear the shepherd's voice, you, you know it, you recognize it. And you follow it. There are others that are trying to lead you that when the wolf comes, they will flee from you and that devouring will take place, not of God, but of the world. You have to constantly be listening to the shepherd. Well, what has God provided? Let's look at this passage again at what God has provided to each of us. The most important thing that we see here is security. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And in case they didn't hear that, he says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Now hear this passage because so often we wrestle with this issue of 
eternal security. The fact is, we, we have debates among Christian groups about whether someone can be eternally secure in their salvation. That isn't there a chance that I can be saved and lose my salvation? Isn't there that possibility that that can take place? Well, if we look at the clear teaching of Scripture right here, there are three things that are said here. First of all, Jesus says, I give them not temporary life, or a vacation from the world. I give them eternal life. He's given them something that is eternal. It's not temporal. So he's already said, this is not, I'm giving you something that, that doesn't end. There's not an end point to this. And I have given it to you. And by the way, there are going to be those who are going to try and take you from me, but they can't. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Oh, yes, and my Father has given them to me, and no one can take them out of his hand either. So you have the Father and the Son holding on to you. And I want to give you this picture of, if, if you remember being a child, you may be a child now, you may be a little too old to remember this, but if you've ever gone someplace where there was a danger, I told the children about going to the mall and if you're very young, and if you're a parent, and you get in that situation, you're going to say to your child, give me your hand. And you're going to grab their hand. Now, as a parent, you're not going to expect the child to hold on. You're not going to just have your hand down there loose and hope they hold on as you're walking along a roadway and there's traffic going by. If you're a parent, you're not trusting the child to hold on to your hand. You've got their hand, and a common... Con- phrase that you're going to hear from your child is, don't squeeze so hard. But as a parent, you do not want to trust the safety of your child to the child holding on. If you do that and something happens, you would be considered a bad parent for not holding on. And yet when we think of God sometimes, we think that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And if God doesn't do it that way, there's something not fair about this. How can there be anything unfair about a father who holds tightly to his child's hand as they go through the dangers of this life? And there may be times where you may say, Lord, can you, you're squeezing a little tight here. Maybe I want to experience that danger over there. Would you please let go and let me do that? But Scripture tells us that if you are in Christ, you are secure. Matthew 18 gives us another picture of this. And we used to sing a hymn all the time. There were 90 and 9. And we saw this beautiful picture of, of, of the shepherd going after the one. What's based on Matthew 18. In verse 10 it says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 that never went away. You see this picture that 
once we're in that flock, Jesus is not going to just let go. The Father isn't just going to let us go and say, well, I've still got 99. We've lost that one. Their choice. No, he's a pursuer. He's a seeker. He is the true shepherd. He's the shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep. He's the one that pursues his sheep and protects us. He's a good father. So what happens to us at times? What happens to us is we lose our assurance at times. We can come to those times where we haven't lost our status. We've lost our assurance of our status. If you're that child in the mall or at a, at a game and you've suddenly separated from your parents and you realize that you are now lost. Maybe you've seen that in a, in a mall where a child you know is lost. And you can see it in their face. They don't know where mom and dad are. And maybe you've seen the parents like that. If you've ever been in a store where a mom has lost their child and seen the utter panic and terror in their face, whenever I see that, and it doesn't happen very often, but it, it, it shakes you. Because you begin to think, if that was me and I had lost one of my children, where are they? We lose our assurance. But that child who is separated from his parents and is wandering around the store or wandering around the stadium not knowing where his parents are, they've lost their assurance, but they haven't lost their status. No matter what happens, I'm still the child of those parents, but I just don't know where they are right now. And that's what happens in our Christian life sometimes is we get to that point where where. I just, I, I don't know where this, where this is going. I don't know where, where Dad is. I don't know where my father is. I, I've, I've, I'm lost right now, but I'm still his child. That's the picture that we have as we go through life. We can lose our assurance, but God never changes who God is. And if we're truly born again, truly saved, that, that we are still in his hand. And the problem becomes us. The problem becomes our inability to see our status and to, and to even claim our status and say, Lord, I know in the midst of my fallenness and what I've done wrong and all of the sin that I've committed and how I have neglected you, we become like the prodigal son who's afraid to come home but then realize it would be better to go home than to be here eating with the pigs. I could be his servant. I could be the servant of God of my father and I could be his servant and and I don't even want to claim the status of his child anymore but when he comes back to the father the father embraces him and and kills the fatted calf and puts a ring back on him and a robe on him and he welcomes him and he says you were my child the status didn't change the circumstances did we can lose our assurance because we lose our focus In the letters to the churches, the church letter that went to Laodicea says that something happened to the church in Laodicea. They were lukewarm, and it was not a nice thing. Verse 17 of Revelation 3 says to the church of Laodicea, For you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, 
pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, when we we come to that point in our life where we are relying on our own works and our own self, and the stuff around us is what gives us contentment, the stuff around us is what we're boasting in, I'm rich, I've prospered, I don't need anything. We lose our assurance because our assurance is in us, not in God. And we see the letter continues. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And then we have this passage that we're so familiar with, this passage that, that is often used as a call for evangelism, but in reality, in its context here, it's saying to the church, I'm at the door right there knocking. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You see, the church had put all their stock in other things and they had lost that fellowship with Christ. And Christ is describing, I'm, I'm at the door. Church, you need to do this. And he changes here to a singular picture where he says, if anyone opens that door, I will fellowship with you. I will have fellowship with you again. It's in those times of fellowship that we have assurance. So let me conclude by asking you a couple questions. Where are you? Where are you? Are you one of the Lord's sheep? Do you hear his voice? Have you responded and been born again? Where are you, sheep? Have you lost your assurance? Have the trappings of the world begun to break down that relationship and you're not sure where you are with God and you've lost the assurance but you didn't lose the status? Have you stopped listening to the voice of the good shepherd? Are you listening to the voice of the world? Have you become like the church in Laodicea? read part of one of the Puritan prayers. The title of this one, they've given assurance. And I want to give you this picture of what assurance might well be entailing. You need to say these things. This prayer is a beautiful prayer to give you assurance. Almighty God, I am loved with everlasting love. I am clothed in eternal righteousness my peace flowing like a river, my comforts many and large, my joy and triumph unutterable, my soul living with the knowledge of salvation, my sense of justification unclouded. I have scarce anything to pray for. Jesus smiles upon my soul as a ray of heaven, and my supplications are swallowed up in prayer. Let me ask you, are you one like, like one of those three sisters that we started this story about? That's not a 90-year-old hearing something in their head.
it may be well that what Jesus said in Revelation 3 is, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you answer? And if you do, will you have the assurance, grasp the assurance that only comes from Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you give us assurance. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who may be here today who has not come to faith, that has not put their trust in the Good Shepherd, who is resting in their own works or resting in nothing at all and not resting at all. Lord, that they might hear your voice might repent of their sins and come to you in faith, trusting in you alone. And Lord, for those who are your sheep here this morning, that we might have assurance of salvation, knowing that it's resting on your work and your work alone. Where we've lost assurance, Lord, give us fellowship with you again, that we might be assured of our status with you as your child. In Christ's name, amen.